You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue Review. I am Dan Pizzuta. I am joined here with Chris Flubb, and you are going to be with us as we try to figure out what just happened in a 33-31 loss to the Carolina Panthers. Looking at it right now, I don't have a lot of answers. That was one of the craziest back-and-forth games, especially in the fourth quarter uh, that I've seen in, in quite a while. Uh, Chris, do, do you have... <laughs> do you know what happened? Um, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was a crazy game. I I was just saying off air that this was probably the first time my heart has really been pounding at the end of a Giants game since, I think, if not in 2016, then probably since before Tom Coughlin left. That was just wild. <laughs> Yeah, wild is a is a pretty good word to describe it. I mean, even come coming down to to that last drive, Carolina is facing that third and one. They for some reason run inside zone with McCaffrey. I'm still not totally sure McCaffrey got the first down there. I was convinced they spiked the ball on on fourth down instead of it being first. Me too. I I I don't think Fox even updated their graphics i don't think they did i think they showed fourth but i guess the the refs had said it was it was a first down yeah. they let it go i think pat Shermer after the game in his press conference and that's probably something we'll talk about a little later he <laughs> said you know with the rules that's out of his hand that's inside two minutes he couldn't do anything about that to have them take a look at it but i don't know somehow carolina with no timeouts left was playing for a really long field goal you don't expect any team to play for that field goal you definitely don't expect any team to make that field goal so 63 yards from Graham Gano was what clinched it here for a 33-31 final and I'm looking at a table right now from Chase Stewart from football perspective uh, Graham Gano became the sixth kicker in NFL history to hit a 60 plus yard game-winning field goal Two of them, uh, the second against the Giants. Yep. Yeah. The Giants, In two years. the Giants are the only team to have two of them against them. And it's happened in back-to-back years. A week three last year, Jake Elliott and the Eagles was 61. Uh, and this was 63. And it tied the record for the longest game-winning kick. At, at this point, I'm pretty much convinced that if a team wanted to try a 90-yard game-winning field goal, it might have to be in Denver, but it would work if it was the Giants and time was expiring. Man, I was I was watching that just thinking, all right, there's no way this is going in. 
and then it goes up and you're kind of it watching starts, it's like starts oh, bending to the right and straightens out yeah i think we we can get into this a little bit i didn't talk about the panthers i have no idea what they were doing just like all game uh in the beginning of the game like the first half and into the third quarter cam newton was averaging like 11 yards per attempt and the panthers would come out and be like run 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 pass was like their game plan coming out i did not understand that at all and then that whole west drive man i carolina did i think everything they could have to lose that game on that final drive and still came out with a win it yeah incredible the giants just happened to do a little bit more to lose the game in the first half it was almost like the game was a contest to see who could shoot themselves in the foot more it definitely felt like that at a lot of points during the game. It really felt like one team was going, hey, you know what? We really don't want to win this one. And then the other team got the ball and was like, yeah, but we really don't either. So like, just go ahead. <laughs> you win. No, you win. It felt like that for a little bit. And then at the end, I had the Giants coming up with big touchdowns. You had... Carolina coming up with the the open pass to Christian McCaffrey at the start of the fourth quarter. You have the Giants come back with a 33-yard pass from Manning to Beckham with just over eight minutes remaining. Then it comes down to the wire. You have the Barkley catch and run for the 15-yard touchdown and the lead and the, with 115. The, the Superman leap. Yeah, which... We'll, Right now, it looks like Barkley is okay. He came up a little short after he landed. Looked like he was limping off. Uh, Pat Shermer said he was fine. He was walking around. That was definitely scary for a little bit. Everything seems to be all right. And then Barkley scores there, and you think, okay, the Giants just kind of need to hold him. They're up by by a couple. Only a field goal is going to beat him. And Carolina plays for a six. They played for a 63-yard field goal. Like, that was their plan at the end of the game. And they still won. I just... I, um, I suppose you could say fortune favors the bold, but... Man, that, that wasn't even bold. That was just bad. <laughs> yeah. That was bad planning the whole time. Oh, so now that we've kind of talked through that and, and kind of maybe processed what happened, I guess we can go through maybe in a little more detail of what happened in this game. But I think to really get into what happened in the game i think we kind of have to talk about what happened before it and the odell beckham interview went up on sunday nfl countdown on espn just before the game and you know that got a lot of attention you have someone of beckham's caliber just saying things just like yeah i'm, I'm not really sure what the offense is doing and i'm not always being put in position to do everything I can to make plays and um, saying the things we've all been thinking. Yeah, and, yeah. So I think or in our that's, case been saying. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think those he's definitely saying things we have said on this podcast, and they're things that weren't necessarily untrue. And I think if you watch the full video, and please do, it's like six and a half, maybe seven minutes. It's on ESPN.com. It's on YouTube. Just watch the whole thing instead of just reading 
clips and, and quotes that are just taken out of context when he says, I don't know about whether there's a problem with the quarterback. He goes into a much longer answer that when the whole quote is used, like it's it's nowhere near as bad as a lot of people wanted to make him. It sounds like a guy who was frustrated with the offense. We've been frustrated with the offense. And when you get down to it, the Giants did what... Beckham wanted in this game. They did what we wanted in this game. They threw the ball deep. They took some shots and it worked. This is the best the offense has looked easily this season. Even, I think, better than the Houston game. Eli averaged 9.1 yards per attempt. His average pass was 10.7 yards down the field. His average pass was 1.3 yards past the sticks. He had not thrown an average pass past the sticks yet this season. We got a more aggressive offense, and it worked. They scored 30 points for the first time in 84 years. <laughs> they should have won. If they made maybe one fewer mistake in the first half, or, well, we'll get to the officials in due course, because there's plenty to go over there. If the ball had bounced just slightly different one at one point in the game, they should have won. If a 63-yard field goal does what a 63-yard field goal attempt is supposed to do, they would have won. Right. I think you you look at all these metrics and all pretty much all of them say the Giants should have won this game. Uh, they held Cam Newton to 6.8 yards per attempt, but a 27.8 QBR. And remember, we talked about last week that QBR when looked at as like a win probability stat is really good. Also, QBR is way better than normal quarterback rating, which makes no sense. <laughs> uh, but but QBR, you hold someone to 27.8 QBR, and that means a quarterback who plays with that stat line on that level in that situation only wins 27.8% of the time. And then you look at the team stats. The Giants, 8.0 yards per play. I don't know the last time the Giants averaged 8 yards per play in a game. Carolina was only 5.2. Like, this this was a really good offensive Giants showing, and then, yeah, there were, there were a couple mistakes later that cost them, and, of course, a, a fluky field goal. But we look at that, but when you get back to the offense, man, it was, it was good. Manning had 10 passes that went 16 or more air yards. And over the first four weeks, he only had 19. Whatever was going on with the offense, I think they realized it, and they it looks like they might have fixed some problem. Uh, Manning had 2.72 seconds per throw on average. That was around what he was doing in weeks two and three, so it's not that much different there. So I think they figured out how to get some deep shots. I think they maybe talked Eli into it's okay to take some deep shots and maybe not be afraid of the interceptions. And he threw two interceptions that looked maybe backbreaking at the time, but the way the game was going, they were able to bounce back. So, you know, being so risk averse isn't bad because he took some of those risks. The two interceptions he threw were pretty bad. Um, I'm not sure if those were, you know, taking risks or just pretty bad throws and decisions. Um, but there's definitely something good to take away from this offense, I think. 
Yeah, for the first time this year, they didn't play to not lose, which I think is the correct number of negatives to get my point across. Yeah, they played to win instead of playing to not lose. Exactly. Those are very different ideas there. They sound like they're the same thing, but they're not. Playing to win is being a little more aggressive and physically like just trying to up your win probability, doing all you can to actually win the game. Playing not to lose is kind of pushing it off, not always taking the most aggressive thing, trying to be safe. But yeah, for the first time, I think the Giants did play to win. They did. Now, now there has to be a balance between the way they played against the Panthers and the way they played against Houston, where Eli took a lot of safe throws. He completed 86% of his passes, but never really looked beyond like seven yards down the field. Although he did average... 10 yards per completion, the air yards were much lower. So they've got to find, I think, the balance there. And if they do, with the guys they've got, the offense has a chance to be really dangerous, at least through the air. Right, and completing 61% of your passes is okay when you're averaging 9.1 yards per attempt. Yeah. Completing 80% of your passes is worthless when you're averaging 5.5 yards per attempt. Yeah. Basically, we got Eli Classic today. We got Eli from 2010, 2011, 2012. Five, seven step drops. If there happens to be a rusher, just kind of sidestep him a little bit, do that weird, awkward, goofy Eli Manning flow in the pocket thing that he does, which kind of still looks like a baby horse on ice skates. And Throw the ball down the field. Give your playmakers a chance to make a play. And you know what? It might come up in an interception, but you do it anyway. I think the best case for that that Eli Classic is he did have those two interceptions that just made you think, like, what are you doing? Um, but that's okay when you're, when you're taking shots and the shots are working. And when they ran the ball like they didn't, you, you have to do that sort of thing. Yeah, that's another thing that I I think we can get into in a little bit. It's it's a good thing the passing game was was working and it really was. Beckham had 14 targets. That's that's good. You should be throwing to Odell Beckham all the time. Sterling Shepard was second on the team with 7 targets. That's that's a fine split. I'm okay with that. On Beckham's 14 targets, 8 receptions, 131 yards and the touchdown. He he was close to that second touchdown that it was in the end zone. It was maybe a little underthrown. James Bradbury made a great play on it. If, yeah. if you're looking at that play, please do not call it a Beckham drop. It was not. That was a great play by Bradbury to get his arm in there and rip that ball out. Yeah, and I'm not going to ding Eli on the throw either because it looked like he had to drop it over a defender who was underneath and that's a tricky window to hit that was just a great play by the defender they make them sometimes yeah they do especially bradbury we we talked about him on the preview show he's he's good Good. and even on the on the actual touchdown catch the one beckham did catch bradbury was right there again yeah that was just a phenomenal throw and a phenomenal catch yeah 
So I, th- I think we see when when they do take some shots downfield, it's going to work. And man, it looked like early in the game, that might not be the case. And it was kind of a case of if you need something done right, you do it yourself. Because Odell Beckham had a 57-yard pass <laughs> to Saquon Barkley in this game uh, for the Giants' first touchdown. And I think we sometimes see wide receivers making throws and they're kind of wide open. They have a lot of space. This was a legit throw from Odell Beckham all the way across the field. He had a guy in his face like this was a good throw. Yeah, to what, 24, 25 air yards, but throwing from the left sideline all the way over to the right sideline. And he hit Barkley in the hands. I mean, at one point I was ready to pretty much just cut Eli and play Odell Barkley and Gallman in the backfield all the time they could just take turns either handing them off or throwing to each other yeah run run some type of option I would be so into that that would be actually so much fun to watch in <laughs> in a vacuum even though no one would ever do that in the NFL but yeah that was big uh, it was on second and 18 that was huge play huge swing although Huge swings in the first half turned out to not really matter because all the <laughs> swings happened in the second half. I, I like to think that it put them in position to have that crazy back and forth second half. Sure, yeah, because <laughs> if if they don't connect there and they run some you know generic play on on second ch- and eighteen and they don't make it, then and then they'd have their third down check down and then punt. Yep, and then Carolina's probably taken over from there, which is honestly what it looked like at that point. That did give them a little bit of life. But when we look into that, let's... So Barkley was the recipient on that 57-yard catch. He had the 15-yard catch and score that we already talked about. Man, outside of that, only two catches for nine yards. That, that seems weird to me. It does. I think that's where the balance needs to come in between the... Eli Classic and the Houston game. Yeah, we, we've both been wanting to see this so much. How about some wheel routes for Barkley? Just him for a little five, seven-yard wheel route or an angle route. Yeah, it's something just to, an actual route to, to yeah. get him the ball quick. He, he doesn't just have to be, he doesn't just have to be the check down option. And it's weird also that they didn't get him more touches in the passing game, especially when the run game struggled. He had like those there two big run, runs. There was a run game? <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, he had, it was a Saquon Barkley type of day. Yeah. A lot of stuffs. A lot of big runs, but only a 20% success rate. That's just, that's awful. And and every when you have a success rate like that, every time you call a run, you're probably putting yourself behind. behind. I, I look at it this way. He had runs of 30 and 20 yards and finished with 48 yards rushing. Yeah, yeah, just, that's not great. They still called 15 runs. They were ru- still running on first down. It's it's something they really need to figure out. And also, like, it's... I don't think you're giving up on the run game. And also, I don't think giving up on the run game is necessarily a bad thing, especially when it's not working. But when you're giving Barkley some swing routes or, or some short routes, but actually letting him get down the field a little bit, you're still giving that guy the ball. And that's what you drafted him for. 
Yeah, um, they, you didn't draft. You didn't draft, draft Barkley second overall to have him lose two yards running up the middle on first down. No, you drafted him to get him out into space with the ball in his hands, one way or the other. Whether you handed it to him in the backfield or whether you threw it to him, or if it's a screen pass or whatever, and then let him do what he does. Put those ridiculous legs and four four speed to use when you think about it he makes the first defender miss almost all the time it's way better to make that defender miss past the line of scrimmage than it is four yards behind it that's pretty simple math i think well i i guess you'd think so but one step at a time we got them throwing downfield maybe next week it'll be downfield and getting Barkley involved a little more in the passing game maybe yeah we'll, we'll, we'll take baby steps yes we'll, we'll be happy oh. with the with the downfield passes for now maybe the baby steps could come a little bit quicker because next game's Thursday yeah that's coming up pretty quickly well, maybe they won't have to worry about overthinking it and can just go with what they have seen work so far why don't we turn to the defensive side of the ball yeah I, th- I think we can do that we yeah we spend a lot of time talking about the offense on the show, but it. yeah and again it matters a little more uh to be honest i think when when football outsiders does their team efficiency and they put it together they say i think football is four parts offense three parts defense and two parts special teams so when you kind of look at it that way uh, offense does matter a little more which is why we kind of talk about it a little more say that's why quarterbacks get paid what they're paid and why the nfl rule book looks the way it does yeah but if we do get to the defensive side of the ball here i for the most part i think they played pretty well again holding newton to to 6.8 yards per attempt held him to eight carries for 29 yards that's only 3.6 yards per carry average he only had a long and nine they kind of figured out the read option which which was nice McCaffrey went 17 times for 58 yards he didn't really beat them until that until that touchdown at the end which was just a really good design they had two by they had a two by two and he side with McCaffrey on the left. When the two wide receivers on the left went slants inside, that left the whole sideline open for McCaffrey. And that, but that was really the only play McCaffrey killed them on. So they were able to hold the two guys we were worried about. They were able to hold them to not do a lot of damage. Yeah, and them figuring out the read option was really nice to see. I know I thought, and I'm pretty sure you thought as well, it was probably going to kill them just based on the evidence we had seen so far. And they held the best rush offense for the second time this season. They held the best rush offense in the NFL to their worst game so far. McCaffrey had his second worst day running the ball and his lowest yards per carry of the season so far. He didn't kill them in the passing game. Defense was pretty good. I mean, it would have been nice for them to actually get off the field that one last time, but I think they're kind of missing Olivier Vernon there. Yeah, that's that's something that probably could have worked. So 
Only three quarterback hits in this game, one by Connor Barwin, one by B.W. Webb, one by Landon Collins. So that's three quarterback hits and two by defensive backs. That's not going to work. That's less than ideal. I mean, we know Betcher is aggressive with sending those defensive backs, but you don't want two of your three quarterback hits coming from guys in the secondary. But also, like, it's... It kind of looked like it could have gotten away from them in the run game, too, because even when they were stopping Newton, he was falling forward through guys for like another four yards. Yeah, him because he's a gigantic human being. Yeah, him running over Mario Edwards was probably not the best look, but you can't. You can't forgive it because it is Cam Newton. Yeah, and Mario Edwards is is not a small man either. No, no. The lack of a pass rush, you can sort of understand because you have to play contain on Cam Newton. You can't just pin your ears back every play because then he will just murderize you on scrambles. But looking at next-gen stats, not one of the Giants' rushers got even two league average distance away from him. Yeah, there, um, there wasn't a lot of pass rush. He threw 35 times, and I don't, I don't, I don't think he was under pressure a lot. Uh, no, there, were, and, there were some of those blitzes that, that got through, but nothing that really really would have worried him. They had the one sack from Connor Barwin, but you know that was, that was it. Yeah, and their line is not a great pass-protecting offensive line. They had given up one less sack than the Giants had, and had given up. And that's with a mobile quarterback back there and not Eli Manning. Yeah, I think that Trey Turner just made as many as many plays in the backfield for the Panthers as the Giants did. Uh, <laughs> I'm just remembering the one where he just like turned around and pancaked Christian McCaffrey, who had the ball. I mean, the Giants have their have their struggles on the offensive line, but they haven't had a guard tackle their own running back in the backfield yet this season. So, although at one point I thought I saw. A- Nate Solder tackle Eli, but the camera moved away quick. Uh, yeah, that might, might have been the case. Who who <laughs> knows? But I think the the defense was all right for most of the game, and then it came late. Had that long catch and run by DJ Moore on yeah. that last drive. Yeah, DJ Moore had that. I, I think where it really started to turn was was that fourth down. Uh, where, that where the hold was called that was big uh that was the hold that gave him the first down and then took another 15 yard penalty by bumping into a referee yeah then of course we had the fourth down where they ran inside zone with christian mccaffrey which i don't hate in a just in a vacuum but in that circumstance that's a questionable call and then the questionable spot i suppose we could say yeah i think definitely a questionable spot but you know it happens and it does and i i think if you were a defense at that point on that final drive with no timeouts left and you've just forced the team to kick a 63 yard field goal i think you're saying okay we did a pretty good job that that Dion penalty was big, and then there were a couple other penalties that came up real big. The um, we have to talk about the Landon Collins. The Landon one. Collins, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've watched that play so many times. 
I think if you're going to make a call there, it's probably on Michael Thomas, who actually kind of did lead with his head. But even that would be a bad call. Calling it on Collins is just, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, um, he was in front of Funchess, and if there was any helmet-to-helmet contact, it was Funchess falling forwards and hitting the back of Collins's helmet. Right, yeah. I, I, just... I think that was just a reaction. We saw three defenders, and it looked like a three defenders, one receiver. It looked like a big hit. We're throwing the flag. Yeah, I think they they do that a lot. Where if it looks bad, they're gonna throw a flag. But man, in reality, and he was only down on the ground because he cramped up. He went back for an IV. Right. Yeah. There was there was not a lot there. But and and I know a lot of Giants players have already come out talking about the officiating. I know that was an issue again last week where Giants players have been talking about officiating. Uh, you don't want to feel like the refs are are taking the game out of your hands. But again, there were were some other stops the Giants could have had where where penalties like that wouldn't have been that big of a deal. So there's no way I'm putting this on the referees because there's just so many other plays that, that could have been stopped. There could have. There definitely could have. But at the same time, the NFL has to do something about the officiating it is just it is hurting their product i mean you have the the two just terrible ones on clay matthews there was another one where the defender just hugged the quarterback and was called for roughing that was ridiculous it's it's a problem just independent of this game yeah, I think when you see league-wide, there's definitely some questionable calls, and uh, they're still going back and forth with rules and and whatnot and figuring out the best ways to do that. I think they've kind of changed the rough in the passer a little bit, even though they said they didn't, but those have already been called less like the past two weeks. Maybe they they start calling these crazy leading-with-the-helmet plays a little differently. You would hope so. Like, you just don't want to see a play like what the Giants got called on be a penalty. I'm all for making the game safer and and taking big, bad hits out of the game. I mean, I've suffered uh, a couple concussions that have definitely changed the way I I do things in life. So I'm, I'm all about head safety, but I, I think you got you to gotta have some common sense there also. Yeah, th- maybe... Those penalties should be automatic booth reviews. It's like it, you, it's real hard to legislate and determine intent. But when things like that happen, where looking at it, it's real hard to look at it and say, "Where was the penalty? Who did anything wrong?" And that would slow the game down. But maybe an extra thirty seconds to make sure you get the call right. Maybe that's worth it. Maybe. I don't know. I, yeah, it's definitely something the NFL has to work on. It's something they kind of are working on. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it was, it was a bad penalty. There's definitely been some bad penalties against the Giants over the past couple of weeks. So I can see where a lot of, a lot of frustration, frustration would, would come from. Yeah. At least we got to see angry Shermer. I think that's one more thing we can talk about. If... You haven't seen Pat Shermer's press conference after this game, and I think you need to understand Pat Shermer typically to really get this. Pat Shermer shows 
very little emotion to the point where his press conferences are almost pointless because he gives the most cliched answers. He he doesn't really he doesn't dwell on anything. He doesn't really expand on anything. Um, but man, after this game, I think I think the the Giants have have this press conference video up. Man, he was fired up. He was fired up about the penalties. He was fired up talking about Beckham, but also saying like that was something that was handled in the locker room and is not going to be a problem going forward. He, uh, yeah, he was fired up and he showed some emotion and that was, it was refreshing. It was good yeah, to see. It was refreshing to see. Maybe that's what the team needs. Yeah. They, the second half, they came out and played with some fire. They played with heart. Maybe they got to, maybe they got a pre preview of angry Shermer at halftime. Hopefully they can keep it. They definitely got a, a tough test. This is a, a crushing way to lose a game and drop to one and four. And now you have to have a quick turnaround for a Thursday night game with the Eagles coming in. Uh, that's just, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing in the vacuum turning around just a Sunday game to a Thursday game, especially divisional opponent uh, who's probably pretty good. So the Giants are, are going to have to do that. And that is... That's not going to be easy, and they're going to have to they're going to have to put this game behind them very quickly. Yeah, they definitely will. I suppose the good news is that Philly lost as well, so there's still only one win up on them. The Giants are in the basement, but the basement's not all that deep, so at, at least there's that. Yeah, if <laughs> if you want to be a glass half full type of person, that's one way to look at it. I'm I'm not sure. What are you I'm talking ready. about? The glasses always fall. It just has changing ratios of air and water. Well, there we go. That is <laughs> that is the most optimistic look at describing what the Giants could be facing. I bet you'll probably hear. I have to say, this is probably the best I've felt about the team after a loss in a long time. Maybe just because of how I how that fourth quarter went, but seeing them actually come out and attack on offense and throw the ball down the field and you know hold a good Panthers offense to you know the defense played well against a good Panthers offense yeah so that there's things to feel good about in a heartbreaking loss yeah again it's it's weird that we're saying the defense played well when they gave up 33 points although 26 yeah 26 because of special teams touchdown so but yeah i i don't think it's crazy to say i'm not going to use the phrase moral victory there are no moral victories but i think you can be more optimistic about what this team can look like looking at what what the offense did i I think that's fair and i think we'll we're going to see really quickly when they play Philly on Thursday, whether this is something that's going to carry over or if it was just one kind of game where they were super fired up and, and they let it fly. And, uh, but then in, if it goes back to what it was. So I, I think the Philly game is probably going to be really important in, in seeing how that carries out for the rest of the season. Definitely. That I think will be the test. I don't think we could, should really think about playoffs at this point. We probably should never have thought about playoffs. Oh, no, definitely. But, yes. Definitely not. But just seeing whether or not they can more or less carry this feeling through, build on this 
loss and the things they did well, maybe find that offensive balance, maybe get Olivier Vernon back. He has practiced lately. I believe he was actually a full participant in practice before he was ruled out. So I wonder if they might not have been targeting this week all along. I'm not sure. I think he was he was limited, and then he didn't practice the following day. But I don't know. But he oh, gets, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eli Apple was the full participant, and then yes. Yeah. So Verdon was was limited, and then there was the following day where he didn't practice. Whether that's a setback or not, or they didn't want to rush him for a Sunday game, knowing he could rest for a couple of days for a Thursday game, because it's not going to be a quick turnaround for him. He has a couple more days to rest. It's going to yes. be a quick turnaround for the rest of this team, but he's had a couple of days to rest, and maybe he'll be ready for Philly, and maybe they're after they saw what he was doing, they wanted to target that Philly game. That's that's definitely possible. No, I think a lot probably rides on what they're able to do uh, going into this Philly game. But we're gonna you know preview that in probably like what a day or so. Like it's, it's a probably. quick turn. It's a quick turnaround for us too because we have to knock out a preview episode before that game. Oh, yeah. game happens but before we do that i think we can uh we put a cap on this game uh let's let's go back to four ups and four downs uh, that was something we wanted to do and we didn't really feel like we could do after the new orleans game because we were there weren't were no sure, ups. <laughs> we weren't sure if we could find four ups but I, I think we can do that in this game so we'll do four ups four downs and uh let's start with your first up i gotta give it to saquon barkley you know like we said before, the running game has been Saquon Barkley. They re- completely rebuilt this offensive line, you know, bowing to get back to hard nose New York Giants football, running the ball, playing great defense. And the end result has been, even with a massive upgrade at running back, they're averaging fewer yards per carry, really, than they were with last year's offensive line and Orleans Darkwa carrying the ball while running the ball something like six times fewer or six fewer times per game. So the running game has been Saquon Barkley making that first, second, third guy miss running away from the fourth, then maybe being being pushed out of bounds by the free safety. And then him in the passing game and that great touchdown catch from Odell and then the leap on that go-ahead touchdown from Eli Right now, he's my big up. Oh, and him uh, getting close to the record books and being mentioned with uh, Kareem Hunt's rookie season last year and Adrian Peterson, who's pretty good. Yeah, those are the players to to start their careers with five games of 100 yards from scrimmage. But I think, I mean, my counter to that is like, that's that's super cool. And it's just one of those things where if you were against Barkley being drafted, it was not because of Barkley. It was... Uh, it was just because if the offense wasn't and the rest of the team wasn't good enough around him, it just wouldn't really matter. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing. Five yeah. straight games of 100 yards from scrimmage, and the Giants are one and four. Mm-hmm. So with with that super fun note off of your up, uh, I'll go to to my first up and our second. Just the offense throwing deep. That was fun to see. Uh, again, Manning had 10 passes in this game that went 16 or more yards in the air. He had 19 of them in the first four weeks. 
So it's possible that this offense can do that. And so that's something hopefully that will carry on going forward. Yeah, definitely. And my second up, third overall, the run defense. Now, like I said, they held Christian McCaffrey to his least efficient game of the year. They actually managed to figure out the read option enough to keep Cam Newton from just destroying them on the ground. And overall, they held the Panthers to 118 yards on the ground, which is a lot until you realize they had been averaging 166. So, you know, I I have to give it up to the run defense. They did their job. Yeah, Carolina was the number one rushing in DVOA coming into this game. They were they were able to do what they wanted, and, and the Giants did slow them down, and they kind of slowed down the, the passing game, too. There were just, like, a couple of big plays that happened, and, and I think that's kind of been the story of the defense so far. Overall, it's been pretty good, and then there's a play or two that, that just breaks, and, and that's what really gets them. But to, to stick with the defense, my last up here, I think if we stick on the defensive side here, is the late aggressiveness on defense. You know, technically it didn't work because Carolina did kick that field goal to win the game as improbable as that was. But Carolina's first play uh, on that drive, the Giants lined up and B.W. Webb uh, had a had a cornerback blitz from right from the slot and and he got a hit on Cam Newton. And that was cool to see on a late game drive with the the opposing offense trying to score and the Giants stayed aggressive. How many times have we watched the Giants in that situation play prevent, not give any pressure, let them let the offense just catch something in front of them and gain a chunk of yards and lose that way. So I'm all for the process there. The result did not turn out what you want, but I'm all for the process of still being aggressive in that situation, playing to what your defense is going to do the rest of the game. So I'm real happy to to see that. Oh, definitely. And on that play, uh, Michael Thomas almost came up with the interception on it. So that could have worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was really great to see. I completely agree there. Cool, so uh, let's, uh, let's shift to downs. I'll say that leads right into my down, however, and that was the tackling, the defense's tackling, especially in the first half. In fact, I'm not sure you could even call it tackling. The attempted hits on the Panthers' offensive players that just did not work at all. I mean, when you're seeing offensive players, guys who aren't big, breaking two, three, four tackles in a on one play, that's that's just embarrassing for a defense. Yeah, you can you can understand that against the against the Cam Newton runs, which uh, we can we can give those a pass. But yeah, some of those other plays just just bad I don't it's not the bad form, just bad angles sometimes, bad yeah, just letting guys go through. 
Curtis Riley has has not been great there. Quietly, Alec Ogletree has not been great in that position. He's like tied for third in the league with with missed tackles uh, per Sports Info Solutions charting. Uh, he's missing a tackle on like 25% of his attempts, which is not good. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me from this week, but yeah, just something the defense as a whole can definitely work yeah. on. I, even Landon Collins struggled with it in the first half. And you know, not used to calling him out for his tackling, but first half it sucked. And the the Giants made Curtis Samuel look like Marshawn Lynch. And that's just not good. Yeah, so that, that about, play especially. Yeah, so how about we get to your down? Mine is, it, it's a couple of things rolled into one, but I'm just going to go with the rushing success rate in this game for the Giants, which was absolutely terrible. So by by expected points added success rate, which just kind of takes what an offense is expected to do on a given play and however the play turns out, those are the expected points added. So the Giants had three successful runs on Barkley's 15 attempts. So that's a 20% success rate. That is bad. I don't think you have to be very good at math to know that is bad. So, but like we kind of said before, when you have the run game struggling like that, it's not a bad thing to stop running and give Barkley some more looks in the passing game. It's the same thing. You're giving the same player the ball. Just let them do a little more with it and and don't force the run when, when it's happening. Like we said, it was a lot of runs into the middle of the line with either no yards or a loss of yards. That's just, it's just, it's putting you back more than it's going to help you later. Definitely. I, the one time I actually wanted them to run the ball was Eli's first interception when I think we decided that the Giants actually ran an RPO and the Panthers actually co- defended it really well. They knew what was coming and it just looked looked like one of those situations where Eli was just kind of rushing, didn't see the defense develop the way it, he probably should have. And that one, it would have been a good call to just give the ball to Barkley. Yeah, if it was an RPO, I mean, the, the Giants, it, it could have just been... Play action. The Giants were run blocking on uh, on the play. Will Hernandez pulled there, but if if that was just a, a pre snap read where they're reading the box and the amount of defenders, Carolina had like seven guys on the line. There was an eighth right behind him with with Luke Keekley who wasn't on the line but was playing really close. So Eli pulled the bat ball back, and and one of those guys who was up against the line was Mike Adams, who eventually was the one who dropped back and intercepted the pass to Beckham. So so yeah, I, I don't fault him for, for the read, but uh, knowing what was happening and, and then reading the defense post-snap is just as important. So yeah, that was, that was definitely something Eli probably wishes he could have back. Although just handing the ball off probably wouldn't have been successful just from the amount of people that were in the box. No, but at least they would have lived to play another down. Right. Go my on final, to, to your third down. My final down, just the boneheaded penalties. Some of them, like the Landon Collins penalty, that I'm not gonna, I'm not including that. But Kareem Martin getting encroachment on the punt attempt, which kept the Carolina drive alive. 
holding, keeping their drive alive. Uh, yeah, the roughing the passer when there was already a hold on BJ Hill to yeah. offset. Yeah. And, you know, on the Giants, um, Russell Shepard getting a false start. Their offense is not that good. That's something Ed harped on this week is how many plays they went backwards and their offense just is not good enough or consistently good enough to overcome that. And they just, they can't beat themselves and help the other team. They just can't do that. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of just small, dumb things that probably could easily be cleaned up. Uh, speaking of really dumb things, <laughs> dumb things. Uh, we're going to get to, to the fourth down here. Uh, and that's just the giant special teams. Uh, no matter what they do at returner, something terrible happens. You know, o- Odell Beckham was back as a punt returner. He had nice returns, uh, but then he had, man, that one, it wasn't even a return in the second quarter. He, I guess, was trying to get out of the way. He was trying to push the defender the away. out of the way uh, and, and let sports. the ball get into the end zone. But the ball went off his leg and did go into the end zone. It ended up being a Carolina touchdown. Um, that's just, I guess, in that was another thing in Pat Shermer's press conference. He uh-huh. didn't sound too upset with that. He said Beckham was trying to get out of the way. So, I mean, I don't know. But, man, that's just that's another bad special teams play for this team that has just years too of many bad of special yeah. teams plays. So with that, I, I think we can end it there. I'm not sure if we completely figured out what happened in this game or why I'm not sure we ever this will. game happened, but there we go. I mean, a crazy game. That's, I think that's, that's all we can, we can say about that. There's going to be a lot of content on Big Blue View over the next two days. Yep. When uh, we... Short turnaround. Yeah. Be short turnaround. We're, we're going to be writing about the Eagles uh, very soon. So that's it for this podcast. If you liked it, uh, please rate and review. That helps a, a lot. Uh, please do that if, if you haven't. If you haven't subscribed to us yet and are listening to this somehow, one, uh, thank you for listening. Also, please subscribe. You can do that anywhere you find podcasts. We're going to be back very soon. Uh, That's what happens with these Thursday games. We'll probably be back on like Wednesday, which means Chris and I have (laughs) have to do another podcast in like a day. So we'll be back soon to to preview Giants and Eagles at MetLife Stadium Thursday night. So we'll be back with that soon. So uh, thanks for hanging out and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.